last class uh, we were discussing the bhakti as has been enunciated in srimad bhagavatam because bhagavatam is considered as a scripture on devotion and what's the type of devotion that has been enunciated in the srimad bhagavatam that we were trying to have a gist of it just to highlight it we as an introduction took out this subject took this subject and today we will just deal with the two types of bhakti the thing which with we concluded our previous discussion that there are two types of bhakti which has been described in the bhagavatam as well as in any of the bhakti scriptures what are they the sadhana bhakti and the sadhya bhakti sadhana bhakti that as we were indicating in the previous class that love is something which we cannot just will love is something which comes out from our heart spontaneously i say that you have to love such and such person and from the next day i start loving him that never happens so when we say we have to love god that's the biggest question the biggest challenge in our spiritual life that how to love god i don't feel like loving god so in the bhakti scriptures that's why they have described bhakti the devotion first as the preparatory bhakti as there are certain steps by which i can develop that love that is sadhana bhakti and when that love for the divine for god that gets ripened then that love becomes spontaneous first we have to will and that will get converted into that emotion it's a special human faculty as we were indicating in the last class that love if we just simply equate with emotion it we will be the entire humanity will be degraded into the level of the animals for animals also the emotion is there but it is there like something like an impulse it's in their genes they feel a love for the kith and kin for the the opposite sex it is always there even in the animals but what's the difference as we as a human have from the animals is there any difference yes we as a hum- human can guide our emotion with our will you will find the more we can do that the more we are integrated the dharma the word dharma means 
dharayate iti dharma that which helps us to hold onto something to integrate us that is dharma and the entire dharma is nothing but to will what we should love that our emotions are flowing in all directions but as a human being to integrate our personality we have the capacity to use our will force to love the thing which is desired and not the thing which is not desired we can do that and that differentiates the more we can do that that that's the only faculty which differentiates us from the animals you will understand it from the childhood whatever thing we desire we think that we should desire that's how we start educating our child children doesn't like to study we somehow insist that's why the school is there colleges are there universities are there what we are doing we are gradually using the will faculty to develop love know it for certain that however we may force the child for education if it that force continues throughout his education tenure he can never be educated after certain time a time should come when the child starts loving education those who really uh, do good in education know it for certain they start loving what they are learning without that love unless until that love grows it cannot be forced as it has been told that you can take a horse to the water but you cannot make it drink at last it has to drink so the love has to develop but at the beginning the will is something which is important how the will gets converted into emotion if we know the psyche we will easily understand that how the will gradually gets converted into emotion we have described it so many times but it is one of the most vital factor in spiritual life and that's why we feel that repeating it is of no harm because that's the only thing if we can just understand the value of it our entire spiritual journey becomes something smooth it becomes something uninterrupted what's that to convert the will to emotion how it can be done the thing which i do now with my will repeatedly keeping the desired goal in my mind know it for certain after some time you will start developing a love for it that's how our psyche is built up the thing which you do again and again again and again in the psychology they call it neuroplasticity your mind is plastic it creates a groove a path in your mind and when you do it again and again the desired thing i'm doing it again and again once the path is created because of that repeated practice we develop an obsession for it love for it. that obsession something gets mixed with our emotion to get ripened into love seasoned into love so that's the thing which is very basic in all spiritual tradition you will find there is a varied beliefs are there as per the mythology is concerned as per the practices are concerned they're so varied in all the religions but what's common you will find is is there anything common that whatever a particular faith believes whatever rituals a particular faith follows they repeat it every day every day the same thing they will be repeating 
and that's the thing by which that love develops the sadhana in sadhana bhakti that's why the first important factor is shravana kirtana to hear of the divine glories again and again so that my mind gets absorbed by it sri ramakrishna used to say that the mind is just like a cloth which can be dyed in whatever dye you put in if you put it in the red dye it gets the red color if you put it in the yellow dye it gets the yellow color so it is us we have to decide in which dye i have i been going to drench my mind once you drench it it is going to get it is bound to get that color and that's why this shravana kirtana is so important the same thing when you will say that in a why to go for this spiritual discourses the same thing is repeated every day sri ramakrishna used to say a very wonderful thing that in the villages the pond you will find is filled with scum screens come but villages has no other resource for water that's the only source of water they have and specially for cleansing the vessels for doing some menial jobs they use that water now when they go to the pond it is filled with scum so what they will do they will remove the scum and the transparent clear water will become visible they will clean their vessels they will clean their cloths whatever it may be and when they just after the work is over they leave the pond they just go towards their village leaving the pond in no time the scum comes jumping back and again covers the pond Sri Ramakrishna used to say that our mind is that like that pond full of scum. When we discuss about the spiritual sublime truths, it's just like cleaning. It is just removing the scum. But know it for certain. Again, it will come. Again, it will just cover. So the only way is to go on clearing the scum to keep the mind clean and transparent. So sometimes it discourages us. is that we have to do again and it throughout your life very interesting sri ramakrishna's guru totapuri when he told the same thing with a different example he gave the example of brass vessels copper vessels you all know in the olden days when they used to use those brass vessels copper vessels to keep them shining to keep them polished is something which you have to do again and again every day you have to polish otherwise the shine is gone there will be a layer uh, which will hide its the shine so every day you have to polish so totapuri told ramakrishna that mind is just like that copper vessel is like that brass vessel unless you polish unless you go on repeatedly doing the spiritual practices it loses its shine and then ramakrishna immediately retorted back replied a very nice way very significant thing he told he told his own guru but what if the brass or the copper vessel gets transformed into gold you need not have to polish the gold every day so that's a very interesting things ramakrishna is saying that sadhya bhakti is just like transformation of the copper or the brass vessel into gold once it gets converted into gold there is no need for polishing but till then we have to polish it every day that's what this shravana kirtana does by constantly resorting to that gradually what we are doing the mind has a tendency again and again to 
get clouded. We keep it clean by the Sravana Kirtana. The same thing we go on discussing. That's why our scriptures has been called Purana. Bhagavata is Mahapurana. What the word Purana means? Pura Api Navaiva. That which never gets old. Ever aging, never old. It's not like reading a novel. Once the novel you have read, it's finished. You won't, won't have any interest to read it again. But these scriptures, it never gets old. The more you read with your life's experience, as with your life's experience, you get ripened with your experiences. You will find the scriptures, the same words, reveals new, new meaning. There's some new meaning is coming out. That's why very nicely in Sanskrit, they have described that the process of education follows four steps. What are the four things uh, which actually constitutes our education? First is the teacher. We, the teacher constitutes one-fourth of the learning. Acharyat padam adhyat. Padam means one-fourth. When the teacher is instructing, one-fourth comes from the teacher. But in a classroom, so many students are there. All don't, don't understand in the same way. Our intellect, the way we focus, that's also an important factor. So another one-fourth comes from that. Acharyat padamadhyat, the first one-fourth from the teacher. The next fourth, padam shishya samedhaya. The next one-fourth comes from our intellect. The more sharpened is our intellect, the more we can comprehend the words of the teacher. All cannot comprehend in the same way. So half is done. Another one-fourth. What's that next one-fourth? Padam sa brahmacharibhya. When the teacher has left the class, so nowadays you will find that students are having peer groups. They all sit as a peer groups. Why? To encourage discussion. There are some aspects of the instructions which the teacher has given, which one student have understood well. There's some aspect the other student have understood well. Now they discuss. And that way, the learning becomes all comprehensive. There are so many aspects. There is so many perspectives, which we all, as per intellect, try to understand, comprehend. When we discuss so many aspects, so many perspectives of that learning becomes something comprehensible to all. So that's the next one-fourth. So three-fourth done. Last one-fourth is remaining. What's that? That's very interesting. Padam, Acharyat Padam Adhyay, the first one-fourth. Padam Shishya Samedhaya. That's the second one-fourth. Padam Sabrahmacharibhya. The third, the last one-fourth. Padam Kalakramenacha. There are certain aspects of learning which we have, which we can only learn by being seasoned by our life's experience. It we cannot just simply learn by hearing. So that's why the parents have to need have to have a lot of patience. The common complaint with all the parents, the children don't listen anything. Don't get frustrated. What you have to say, you say. Let the child react in whatever way you like. You know it for certain. Though they may be vehemently reacting, Sometimes they will be uh, babbling, speaking all useless things uh, with all the thing which are which is highly justified. We have to have the patience, the calm. What is that patience we should have? Know it for certain. Those words has entered into that child. It's not going to leave him or her. 
it's going to constantly what you say that invoke the child and with the life's experience that's why you will find the children find the importance of the parents as they grow old the older they grow then they start, start suddenly start realizing that what the role the parents have played in their life as they get mellowed with their experiences then they found then they find that what my parents told were not useless they have some value so we have to have the patience after instructing have the patience that not to get hurt by the reactions which we see in them just we tell them that whatever i felt is good for you i have told now what you are going to do with it it's yours and know it for certain those words if it has been mellowed by your experience is going to mellow his experiences or her experiences also so gradually it happens it comes so the scriptures the value of the scriptures lies there the same thing may be repeated again and again but with the as we get mellowed with our experiences the words find new meaning the gospel never gets old <clears throat> the gospel of sri ramakrishna one it's very nice interesting story one small child in the olden days uh, in india just immediately after the independence when there were not sufficient orphanages it's a real story it's a real incidents when there were not sufficient orphanages you know it's a very poor thing it was a very pitiable condition the orphans sometimes used to be kept in this juvenile jails because there is nowhere to take care of them so they have none they have not done any crime but they were kept there so that they can be taken care of there were not sufficient orphanages now one such child was extremely restless throughout the day just running jumping frolicking so how to keep him calm the jail superintendent found that the child somehow is very intelligent and has a knack for studies so there was a small library in the jail so whenever the child will come he will give him some book to read mainly for the children as it's a juvenile jail the books were for the children he will give some book to read every alternate day the child will the girl will return this she was a small girl she will return and say i have read the book and will pester for another book so the jail the jailer or the superintendent the jail superintendent is to give the child the book whenever it asks for one day the jailer was a bit busy with some work and the child came and now the superintendent didn't have time to go to the rack of and just give some book in his table there was a gospel of sri ramakrishna he simply took it and just gave it just to get rid of the child he told her take it go and read it and he thought most probably the very uh, in another one or two hours the child will come back with that book but interesting he never came back days passed by months passed by and now the superintendent thought that most probably the child has lost the book so he will ask he is to ask her what about the book won't you return well, i am studying at last the jailer I uh, just told you need not be you need not be afraid of me just tell the truth have you lost the book if you have lost i will just uh, because it's the library book i will get another and keep a copy here because after it's a book for, of the this library book i have to replace it so if you have lost just tell me then immediately child brought that book it was with her and then he then he told that you just read all the books in 2 3 days and return what happened with you why are you keeping this book for such a long time 
And what that small child replied was something very interesting. In Bengali, she that she replied is a, it's a, it's a real story. It's it's a real incident. It's a, a written as an autobiography. Uh, uh, the author's name I am just immediately forgetting. That uh, he was writing in a nickname. So what the girl told was something really very very significant. The girl told, "Shop boy ki para hoye jai." Means in Bengali, she is telling. Can you just simply read and complete all the books? There are books which never gets over. And this person was really taken aback that a child has somehow realized that this is the book which you can go on reading again and again. You know how important it is. How we, when we get mellowed with life's experience, how these books become important. I will tell a real incident in the life of one of the disciple of Ramakrishna. His name was Purna Chandra. Now Purna Chandra is uh, was as, as is a devotee of Ramakrishna, whom Ramakrishna really thought to be a very highly evolved soul. But somehow he, according to him, he was one of the six inner circle disciples of him, of his, of his. But somehow, because of the family pressure, he couldn't leave his hearth and home and join the monastic order. He had to be a family man. He had to marry. And now when he was in his midlife, the family life, which was not meant for him, he was so fed up. At last he thought that this life is almost west. I, I, I couldn't. As I can choose the path which I was aspiring for. I wanted to be a monk. It never happened. I had to be forced by almost by force enter into the family life. And now Ramakrishna has passed away long back. Purnachandra, uh, he decided that let me end my life. Let me commit suicide. That's what, just see that a devotee of Ramakrishna of such a stature, he is contemplating of suicide. But after all, he's a devotee. What he planned? That he will take his he will take shower after the shower. He will read one page of the gospel and then commit the suicide. That's what he contemplated. He took his shower, opened the gospel, and the first line that he read it was very interesting. It was about him that is written there. Purna balak bhakta paramahamsa purner mongol chinta koritechen. Purna is a mere child devotee. He's just a boy, mere boy. But, he's, but at the same time, he has that good samskaras. He's a devotee. A very, very, uh, what you say, a, uh, intently devote, intensely devoted to Sri Ramakrishna. He was one of, among his inner circle. So he's a devotee of a boy devotee of Ramakrishna. And the next line is again interesting. Paramahansa Ramakrishna is constantly thinking of his welfare. Paramahansa Purner Mongol Chinta Kuritechan. Ramakrishna Paramahansa is thinking of Purna's welfare. Reading this line, immediately closed the book. Tears were flowing down his eyes. Just simple words. It immediately brought a huge convulsion within him. That what a fool I am 
Paramahansa is there constantly thinking of my welfare. And now I'm sitting here taking my own decision to commit suicide. The Ramakrishna, my guru, who is there always to take care of me. And that one line, that simple line of the gospel, for us, it has no meaning. That simple line immediately as if transformed his life. He could never commit suicide. As tears were flowing down. He became, in spite of being in the family life, he became more aware of the presence of the divinity in his life. That in whatever state I am, my guru is there who is taking care of me. This thought became something in the forefront of his mind. Just simple one sentence. That became his mantra. That's why we are saying that the scriptures of that, that value, a simple sentence can overhaul your personality. It can change your life. It can suddenly give a new meaning to your life. And that's why these scriptures are read again and again. They are Purana, Pura Apinavaiva. They never get old, ever aging, never old. The word, this Purana, the Itihasa, the Ramayana Mahavar, they're called Itihasa. We simply translate it as history. It doesn't mean history. Itihasa means as it was, as it is, as it will be. Means when we are reading the history, everything is changing. But there is some sublime values which are perennial, which are eternal. Through all those changing facts of life, if we can decipher, find out those eternal values which integrates us, then you are really reading the Itihasa. When you're reading the Ramayana, they see these words, when we just translate it as history or we just send it as myth, mythology, it loses its meaning. We have to go to this correct etymological meaning and you will find a new meaning coming out. So this Sravana Kirtana, the first thing that which in the Bhagavatam we find is of eminent importance. Throughout the Bhagavatam, we find the Sravana Kirtana, which actually starts with the Sravana Kirtana. When Parikshit found that only seven days are remaining for his life, the only thing he did was Sravana Kirtana, nothing else. Hearing the glories of the life. Of the, of, of the Lord for seven days. And that was sufficient for him to take him to that ultimate realization before he left his body. Sravana Kirtana is of that importance. This Nama Gunagana, Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that's the thing. We're constantly hearing, we imbibe those values, like osmosis, like a process of osmosis. They just get internalized. We get saturated with all those, the divine, qualities which has been spoken of. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say very interesting, very nicely, that if you say that you are my child, it shouldn't be mere word. As my child, you are supposed to inherit my treasure, my property. Do you inherit? Ramakrishna is a penniless person. What's the treasure which he's speaking of? It's a pure spiritual treasure, nothing else. Jnana, Bhakti, Tyaga, all those things he's speaking of. That's the thing. If we inherit, then we have the right to say that, yes, I am the child of Ramakrishna. Do we inherit all those treasures, spiritual treasures, which signifies his life, which highlights his life, which are the, the this, what you say, the be-all and end-all of his existence? If we inherit that, then we can claim to be the child of Ramakrishna. So this Sravana Kirtana is the internalization. It's very much important that alone can
take us to the highest spiritual rung of the spiritual evolution, of the ladder of spiritual evolution. Constantly hearing of the divine glory, repeating the name. So repeating the name as we told it with will, maybe at the beginning I don't have, I have not developed the love. But if I do it with will every day, know it for certain, you are bound to develop love for it. That's how in, you know, in popular, uh, in, in Bhagavatam, uh, there is a phrase which indicates that. Bhaktya Sanjayate Bhakti. Go on practicing devotion, that will ripen into real devotion. As in the last class, we were indicating that in a hot, sultry weather, when a man is using the hand fan to cool himself, and suddenly the southern breeze blows. There's no need of the hand fan. That will fall off automatically. So all this preparatory bhakti falls off when it gets ripened into sadhya bhakti. So bhaktya, bhakti sanjayate. Bhakti builds up. Bhakti uh, generates bhakti. Sanjayate means to generate. So we will say, how come bhakti generate bhakti? Yes, at the beginning, when I am trying to build my emotion with the will that is preparatory stage that is bound to get ripened into the real bhakti in chaitanya charitamrita in the bhakti tradition of bengal we find very nicely chaitanya mahaprabhu also is indicating the same thing and very nicely in the bengal he is saying ei horinam nite nite bhakti mukul futbechite that how to how the bhakti will bloom in your heart how devotion will bloom in your heart. Go on taking the Lord's name. The bhakti which is just a bud most probably in your heart at present. Know it for certain. It is going to bloom. Bhakti mukul futbe. Futbe means to bloom. It is going to bloom. Know it for certain. That's the thing which is going to happen. And once it happens, your work is done. You develop that yearning. Once that yearning develops, know it for certain, realization is just a matter of time. It's going to happen. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, yearning is just like the red hue of the dawn. In the morning, when the sun is yet to be visible, you see the red hue. You know it for certain. In just a, it's a matter of few minutes, the sun will be visible. So Ramakrishna used to say that Anuraga, the yearning is just like the red hue of the dawn. Once it's there, the sun of realization is bound to rise in no time. So this, through this Nama Gunagana, through this Nama Sankirtanam, through this practice, in when the yearning develops, first thing, it brings you to the realization. It, you realize your ego falls off. It takes to the divine realization. It's no more imagination. It's no more mere practice. You as if face God. You, you're just, you're just uh, in presence of the divine. You realize God just the way when you're talking to a person who is in front of you. Similarly, the divine is as if in your presence. In the words of Shankaracharya, it becomes karatala amalakavat. You are holding a fruit in your hand a myrobalan fruit in your hand. It is as palpable as that. God realization becomes as palpable. So Anuraga can take you to that. That's the one thing. 
And the second thing which Ramakrishna says is yearning is like tiger, which is a voracious eater. What it eats, it eats away lust, greed, pride, anger, and all other propensities. How it happens? You know, when you develop this tremendous love for the divine, for the sublime truth, other, all these obsessions are bound to fall off. You may say, how? In my life at present, if I have the liking for a particular delicacy, and suddenly a new delicacy for the first time I taste and I develop love for that, that doesn't mean that I, that the delicacy that uh, which I previously liked that falls off, the taste for it falls off. It coexists. So when I develop love for God, how come you say that all the things will fall off? They are supposed to coexist. Yes, at the beginning they may coexist, but at last it is bound to fall off. As Ramakrishna used to say very nicely, that at the beginning, as a devotee, as a as a novice, our devotion is just like an ordinary housefly. Sometimes it sits on a sore on some dirty place or on some on your you have a, some sore in your body. It sits on that sore or on some dirty place, and sometimes it sits on honey. But when the devotion ripens, you are no more an ordinary housefly. You become a bee. You become a bee, a honey bee, which always will be sipping honey. It never sits on dirt. So gradually, when this love gets ripened, there cannot be any question of dwelling in the all the other sensitive pleasures of life. Ramakrishna has a wonderful way of, through example, to explain these ideas. He is to say that if you are you are attending a party and there you are most probably drinking. Some alcohol has been served. So he says very nicely that if you are just, you have just taken one or two sip, a little intoxication is there. You can maintain both. You can still socialize as well as still enjoy the intoxication. Both can go hand in hand. But if you go on drinking, what will happen? All the socialization is want to fall off. You get so intoxicated. So why he's saying this? This is to give the same example. But as the devotion ripens, the other thing falls off. This is the thing which like a yearning is like that the voracious eater, like a tiger, which is a voracious eater. It takes away lust, greed, pride, anger, all the propensities falls off. Even to understand from the psychological point of view, it's very interesting. Once you develop love for God, this love is something qualitatively different from all other loves, all your yearning. All my previous worldly attachments was something which was dependent on something apart from me, extraneous. And that's why they were all tagged up with worries, tensions. Why? Till I get my desired object, the fear was there. The worry was there. I may not get it. And when I get it, still the fear is there. I may lose it. Whether it's a relation, whether it's the wealth, whether it's position in life. Till I get it, the fear of losing it is there. Once I get it, the fear of losing it is there. Till I get it, I may not get it. Once I get it, I may lose it. So all our desires are always 
mixed with fear. This new love for the devotion, it is something internal. It is not dependent on something external. Once you have it, it is there for you for once for all. It is not in any way that way linked with worries, fear. And this is the thing, when I have developed love for something which is in no way linked with worry, linked with fear, I have a tendency to resort to it more and more. It's just like you have designed a road, you have developed a road which has no traffic, which has no uh, junctions. Previously, I had to go to the CBD through the traffic. There was no other way. And then suddenly one free way has been built by the government. Now the natural tendency will be to go through that free way, which has no junctions. Why should I go through the traffic if I can have a free way? So this love for God is just like a free way, which we have developed in our psyche. Once you develop all other roads, which are full of clashes, tensions, competitions, that falls off. And that's how the yearning like a tiger eats up all the, uh, all the so-called propensities, like a voracious eater eats up the lust, greed, pride, anger, and all propensities. So these are the twofold benefits of that yearning, which, one, which develops by constantly practicing devotion. Now when the yearning develops by the practice of devotion, you have started feeling that love for God. It has started getting so intense that sometimes we say, I have love for God, but there is no change in my life. But is it real love? That's why Sri Ramakrishna used to give that example that when a disciple told that I yearn for God, but I have no vision. Then the guru took him, this teacher took him uh, for a dip in the nearby pond. And when they were about to take a dip, the guru thrusted his head inside the water, disciples head inside the water. And he was trying to come up to breathe. The guru was not leaving him. He forced him inside the water, thirsted his head inside the water. After some time, he was released. And then the guru asked, how were you feeling? I was gasping for breath. Why did you keep my head thirsted down? And then he told, do you feel the same way for God? The way you are gasping for breath? That the world, as if you are being drowned by the worldliness and you really want to, the fresh air of divinity, you have easier yearning that much. If you have that yearning, know it for certain. Spiritual realization is a matter just of a few moments. It is going to happen. And all the so-called your propensities which binds us down, they're bound to fall off. They are not, in no way they're going to disturb us, perturb us anymore. So that's the first thing of the sadhana bhakti which has been spoken of. In all the spiritual traditions, if you ask the common thing, you will find yes. The forget about the doctrines and other is whatever may be the doctrine, is the question of repeating it is there? You'll find yes. And that's the thing important. What you believe is not important. That how intensely you believe it, that is more important. And that will take you to the realization. That will take you to, that will help you to transcend the so-called all the things of life which holds us down. So that's the uh, first thing which helps us to ripen the sadhana bhakti to sadhya bhakti. The next is 
sadhu sangha throughout bhagavatam it starts with that you will find that the sadhu sangha the company of the holy the person who is a holy person again in the chaitanya charitamrita very nicely it has been described jahare dekhile chite ishto udoy hoy tahare janiyo tumi bhakto nischoy just by seeing a person suddenly you find all the sublime things which you aspire for those things are getting enkindled suppose you don't feel like meditating and you go at a person and you just suddenly are in association with a person you find that from morning till night he is always absorbed in the divine mood just think if you are uh, you were in the presence of ramakrishna at the dead of night suddenly he wakes up he is chanting the name of the lord throughout the day he is conversing with the devotee whenever the devotees are there it's only of god he is speaking whenever whenever he is alone with himself he is absorbed in this divine mood when we are in presence of such a person immediately that's the thing which gives you the conviction and motivation that it is possible sometimes before is it possible yes it is possible such examples are there in my presence and that motivates us that to do the same thing immediately you find that motivation to do it you will previously most probably you were never motivated but the moment you are in presence of such a person you will find you are developing a motivation that's why that this company of holy association is very very important someone thinks just by my own i reading books i will develop spirituality it never happens it may somehow develop my intellect but real spirituality never happens you always it is always the lamp which enkindles the lamp you need a lamp to enkindle another lamp otherwise you can never light a lamp another lamp only one lamp can light another lamp so living life is something which is very important in the bhagavatam we will find again and again this resorting to the sadhu sangha has been exemplified again and again throughout this bhagavatam this that they you develop the conviction of the efficacy of spiritual practices and motivations to practice them and the result is something which has been spoken of as amogha it is bound to happen today or tomorrow it is going to transform your life once you are in an holy association it is something even if you are not what you say that uh, if you are not consciously deciding to lead a spiritual life something some change is going on in your subconscious mind and it will bound to bring a transformation in your life you will find a very interesting thing that sri ramakrishna used to say that the sadhu sangha is amogha that's the thing in bhagavatam we find the life of narada he was an orphan in his in in one of his birth but his mother used to serve the holy person and being uh, he, he never knew who is his father his mother used to serve the holy person and this uh, this small boy being always as his mother used to serve the holy person this small boy was always in association with them and he was a poor fellow poor boy so all the remnants of the food which this holy person left after having their food that's what he used to eat and that's what is bringing transformation 
this not if you when we will be studying bhagavatam we will be studying in details in the life of ramakrishna we find that the character called girish he used to say that so much of sin i have done in my life if i would have known previously that there is a place where i can dump all my sin and become pure he was saying that about ramakrishna if such a person was there i would have committed still more sin because at last there is some place i can dump them all he was a poet so in a poetic way he is saying that he was so much convinced of the transforming power of the holy company one day when in presence of ramakrishna girish was girish was just saying that there is no change happening in my life all the evil propensities are still disturbing me and ramakrishna immediately scolded him by saying you rascal do you think an ordinary water snake has bitten you ordinary this poisonless water snake has bitten you you have been bitten by a cobra and now you may run anywhere you may go to the top of the mountain you may go you may just go and hide in the bottom of the ocean the poison is going to act on you you are going to die so this holy company is just like being in the presence of a cobra being bitten by a cobra the divine propensities has like that uh, like this poison has as if entered but this is not poison this is nectar which is going to which is bound to change your life transform your life overhaul your personality and that's the thing which is being indicated by sadhu sangha this is a very nice story which ramakrishna which swami vivekananda used to say to his devotees when he was in america it's not mentioned in the gospel in the gospel of sri ramakrishna the mahendranath the master mahashaya who uh, who has compiled the gospel of sri ramakrishna he used to go on the week ends so on the week days so many other conversation used to go on which is not in the gospel which we find again in in the conversations of the direct disciples of ramakrishna so one such story which we hear from swami vivekananda which he narrated when he was in camp persi he was uh, there to take some rest but he was with his devotees even a holy person when he is resting his work never stops even as a casual conversation so many uh, holy thoughts holy uh, words comes out of their mind from their mouth and that's what has been recorded his conversations in, uh, when he was in camp persi one such incidents he was indicating he saying that, that ramakrishna used to say this story is as allegory what's that that is was an allegory of a witch a witch used to stay by the in a forest by the in the bank of a reservoir a huge reservoir was there it used to stay on the bank of it and now this witch has a had a wonderful uh, character characteristic what's the characteristic her hair can be elongated as as long as you stretch go on stretching it will go on elongating so now when anyone is to come from the village to take a dip in that reservoir reservoir if the witch was hungry she will immediately just catch hold of that person and simply swallow swallow that person but if she was not hungry now when uh, she will be hungry she will be in need of some food so what she is to do she will somehow conspicuously without the knowledge of that person tie one of her hair 
on the toe of that person. And now that person won't know. He may return to the village as that here has that capacity of extending infinitely. It goes on extending. The more it is stretched, it extends. And most probably at the dead of night, the witch is hungry. Now she will pull the hair and drag that person and have him. So that's the story Ramakrishna is to say. And now Narin asked his, this Swami Vivekananda asked his devotees, do you know who is the witch? So they, uh, they just, they, were, they, they never understood that who is the witch. And then Narin told, Vivekananda told, Ramakrishna, the guru is the witch. To some, the realization that his blessing is immediate. For some, it may take some time because of our sanskaras. It may take some time, but know it for certain. She is going to pull you, drag you, and have you. Devour you. Devour all your so-called evil propensities and make you pure. So that's something which is being indicated in the Bhagavatam again and again. That resort to the name, resort to the divine glories, be in association of the divine personalities of this holy company. In this age, of course, reading of the book, if you're reading book for knowledge, that is something different. But if I read the gospel, that is also a sadhu sangha. Where can I get holy person always? The gospel has been written in such a way, the Bhagavad has been written in such a way, as if you are in the presence of the divine. The divine play is being enacted in your presence. So that way you can resort to sadhu sangha through the study of the scriptures that also has been highlighted again and again in the Bhagavatam. So, Nama Gunagana, Sadhu Sangha, and Nirjanavasa. These are the three things which Ramakrishna is again and again stressing, is very much required in a spiritual life. That if not possible for a prolonged term, at least for three days, be alone. Don't be with your kids and kids, with your family members. Take a leave and try to be alone. Nowadays, to be alone has become very difficult. Even if you are alone, the mobile is there to bring the entire world with to you. So alone means nothing, not even the so-called all the, the social media. You don't resort to your phone. You don't resort to the TV, nothing. If you can stay alone for some time, the first the thing that dawns in your mind, you know, the constant engagement in your life makes us forget about one thing. That is, the life is impermanent. If you try to be in solitude for just one, two, three days, you will find that's the thing which immediately pops up in our mind. The impermanence. We get so disturbed that immediately we search for company. We never want to face that. When that idea of that impermanence comes, we get so afraid, we run. We say, oh, these are all useless thoughts. Let me be in company with the people. These thoughts unnecessarily disturb us. But that way we can never avoid the fact which is waiting for us. Swami Vivekananda used to say a very wonderful thing. You know, when a rabbit is attacked by the predator and it finds that it cannot get, it cannot run away from the predator, at last the rabbit will dug a, dig a hole uh, on, in the ground and hide its face there. It hides its face. The moment it hides its face, it cannot see the predator because it has hidden its face in the hole. And it thinks I am safe. The predator is no more visible.
But is it is the rabbit safe? The predator is there chasing him. Similar is our condition. The death is constantly chasing us. All our social engagements are like that hole we have dug to hide our face, thinking I am safe. Nidjanavasa is somehow to come out from that hole, face the reality. It is bound to happen. If you try, if you somehow get a chance, just to be, just try to be alone. At the time of COVID, for many of us, the idea of impermanence we found is dawning in our mind. And we somehow thought it is a COVID which makes us, which makes this thought of impermanence prevalent in our mind. But it's not the fact. It's not the COVID. It's your social isolation that has actually made the thought of impermanence more prominent in your mind. In the Bhagavad Gita, that's why it has been told again and again, anityam asukham lokam. To realize this, you have to be in solitude. And when you realize that, what happens? You are bound to anityam asukham lokam imam prapya bhajaswama. The only thing is to hold on to something which is eternal, which is permanent. Not to just simply cling to the something which is flowing. And this Nidjanavasa helps us to have this idea of impermanence awakened in our mind. So that the urge for holding on to the spiritual dimension of our existence, that becomes more and more prominent. So these are the three things which Ramakrishna is in his gospel stressing which actually we find is the theme of the entire Bhagavatam. Through various incidences, these are the things which has been again and again highlighted. And last but not the least, at last we have to have that patience in spiritual life. Everything doesn't happen in a day. We have to have the faith in God. Sri Ramakrishna used to say that when you know that we are in some danger. We feel quite safe when we uh, just take shelter under a person whom I know to be very righteous. He is a very righteous person. I am under his shelter and we feel that we are in the security zone. Ramakrishna says to say, what type of faith you have? You say you have faith in God who is the most righteous person. No one can be more righteous than him. And still you feel unsafe. How can it be? So this is this resi- this patience leads to sharanagati, resignation. If you say you have resigned to the divine, even in our day-to-day life, when I am in some crisis and a small child is in some crisis, the moment it is near its mother or father, it feels safe. And the Lord whom you say that you believe in him, how can there be the question of a sense of insecurity when you say that you have resolved, you have uh, taken resignation, you have resigned your life to the divine. It's contradictory. So that sharanagati should come, resignation should come. That's been highlighted again and again in the Bhagavatam, and that's the ultimate instruction of Bhagavan in Bhagavad Gita. In the 18th chapter, he's speaking of that sharanagati, sarvadharman parityajya. Mamikam Sharanang Braj. Aham Twam Sarva Papya Mokshaishyami Mashucha. After teaching all the yogas, karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga, raja yoga, at last he is speaking of resignation, sharanagati, 
Why at the end he's speaking of Sharanagati? All those yogas you will find at last is just to tire you up. You get tired. Your wings get tired. The bird was flying, couldn't find any shelter. It gets its wings get tired. And then the real Sharanagati resignation comes. Oh Lord, it's only you who can help me out. And when that's real, that resignation comes, then the God's grace is bound to be showered upon you. It's not that the God's grace is not showered. It's constantly showered. It's our ego. It's our uh, all the idea that my, with my own effort, I can do something that is not allowing the grace to find expression in our life. The moment that effort falls off, to understand that, that we give that example. When you are, uh, when you have climbed a tree, you are sitting on a branch. To fall, there is no need of any effort. There is no effort required to fall. You just leave the hole, the gravity pulls you down. Similarly, in this tree of samsara, we are holding to the branches of this tree of samsara. If somehow we can leave the hole, the grass will pull us up. So this leaving the hole is what is meant by Sharanagati. All our, this throughout life, that if that simply that resignation comes, know it for certain, that it is the God's grace which is going to work and which is going to bring a tremendous transformation. It's not little by little. Suddenly a huge transformation will come and that's how the God's grace works. It's a very nice incidence in the life of Latu Maharaj, one of the direct disciples of Ramakrishna. He was also illiterate, like Ramakrishna. As per our so-called academic education is concerned. So Ramakrishna himself one day tried to teach Latu the alphabets and he failed. So because uh, in the pronunciation, there's a, a bit, uh, what you say, there's an accent, difference in the accent in the Hindi belt and in the Bengali belt. In the Bengali belt, everything is pronounced with O, that O, Ka. And in Hindi belt, it is with A. The Bengalis will pronounce everything with A and the Hindi belt will, will pronounce with A. So when Ramakrishna tried to teach uh, the first alphabet, Ka, Latu was pronouncing Ka because that's, that's the accent with which he was born. And Ramakrishna was fed up. He told, if you say Ka as Ka, then what will you say Ka? When you give a Ka to it, what will you say? And he told, it is impossible to teach you. So that's how the guru and disciple is. At this Latu Maharaj one day was massaging Sri Ramakrishna's feet as a young boy. And Ramakrishna suddenly asked a question to Latu. Do you know what is what God is doing now? Latu as a small boy, very simple boy. He told, how shall I know what God is doing? And Ramakrishna replied, you know what God is doing now? He is making a huge elephant pass through the eye of a needle. Latu Maharaj understood nothing what Ramakrishna is saying. In the much later years, in his advanced age, Latu Maharaj used to say these incidents and cry. And in his very that Hindi mixed Bengali, he used to say what, what the main idea behind what he used to say is that I never realized when I was massaging his feet, he told me that that now God is making a huge elephant pass through the eye of a needle. I never realized what he told. Now I realize that I am an illiterate person. 
I have no such as such spiritual background. When I was massaging this fit, as if God was making the huge elephant, means all the bhavas, all the spiritual treasures, jnana, vairagya, renunciation, knowledge, bhakti, devotion, all those treasures, that huge elephant-like treasures, spiritual treasures, he was making them enter through the eye of a needle. I am the eye of the needle. He was making when and entered through me. I find that my life has been totally transformed. He used to say this and cry. So that's the thing which happens with the total sharanagati. When you know that this Latu Maharaj had that total sharanagati and we find that what a tremendous transformation came through his life just by grace. So these are the factors which we will find in the Bhagavatam has been highlighted again and again through the various incidences. So that's why we started our discussion in the last class that we will find that for most of us, bhakti is the way as per our temple. That is the easiest way. We don't have the tremendous uh, willpower, the tremendous renunciation to just renounce everything in one go. And at the same time, we find that the world is tormenting us, that too much attachment to the world is tormenting us. I don't want to be attached. Some sort of detachment has come. What's the way out? Devotion. Devotion is a wonderful way. If we can hold on to that, the devotion through the practices which has we have tried to highlight in uh, today's uh, discussion. When we start uh, with the slokas of the Bhagavatam, these ideas will be much more elaborated. We just try to have a, just a, what do you say, a crux, a nutshell of the bhakti, which has been spoken of in the Bhagavatam, how to practice it. For the next class, without extending our introduction for longer, if we can just continue with the discussion, we will just enter into the text. We will enter into the text and continue with our discussion by highlighting all these ideas in a much more elaborate way as and when these slokas will permit us to discuss them in a much elaborate way, we will go on with our discussion. So with this, we stop our discussion today. From the next class, we will start our study of the Bhagavatam by resorting to the text, uh, not all the text, as we told, it's a huge scripture. The selected text, which we, will, which we find has something to, to do with our day-to-day spiritual journey. So, Uh, With this, we conclude our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskar.